Good morning. It's so good to see you today. It truly is my honor and it's my privilege to welcome you to Impact City. We're excited that you are here and I'm excited for what God has in store for us today. I'm going to invite you to take your seats. As we kick off summer at Impact City, for the next two months, uh, we're excited for what, the, what this entails. There's going to be uh, some amped up fun activities that your children will be participating in. We'll have various speakers come in and join us. So I, I mentioned this to you last Sunday, just because it's summer, don't stop coming to church. You don't have to go to school. But to come to church, um, we're excited for it. And I also want to let you know that next Sunday, next Sunday on the 12th, uh, I have a very exciting announcement uh, that I will be sharing with you. So I invite you, don't, don't miss out any Sunday, but for sure don't miss out next Sunday um, as we're able to celebrate together. So today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is Pentecost Sunday. And I want to talk to you this morning over the topic, the power of Pentecost, the power of Pentecost. And now I do realize that depending on where you come from, uh, you may have some preconceived uh, fears, notions, hesitations about the, this word. But I, I want to, with the help of the Lord, just clarify some of that here today. So today as we celebrate Pentecost Sunday, we, we do indeed to understand that it can be often misunderstood depending on your background, depending on the church that you grew up in. Uh, you could associate the word Pentecost with uh, a denomination. You can associate it with a certain beliefs. You can associate it even with a certain lifestyle. And, and perhaps maybe you today don't know much about it. Um, and there, there's some questions, there's some clarification that needs to be done. And we see that this was the case in the book of Acts. We see that this wasn't the case in the book of Acts in regards to what took place on Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Paul got to Ephesus, and the Bible tells us that he encountered some believers. He encountered some believers in Acts chapter 19, which is our first, port, our first scripture. But I want to add this, that when you look at the book of Acts chapter 2, what took place on that day, that took place in 30 A.D. Fast forward to the book of Acts chapter 19, that takes place in 54 A.D. So 24 years later, what is taking place, uh, Paul is in Ephesus and the Bible tells us this in Acts 19, 1 and 2, that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? The King James Version puts it this way, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And that may be where you're at. That may be where a lot of people find themselves, a lot of confusion. There, there may be a lot of bad packaging that has gone along with this. And that's what I want to clarify. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit that took place on the day of Pentecost, what is that? When you look at the Holy Spirit, it literally translates into breath. Or if you'll allow me to put it this way, a breath of fresh air. And the truth is that if we truly understand it, 
we wouldn't be so hesitant of it. If we truly understood, we wouldn't be so hesitant. So I want to tackle the term in specific today, the term Pentecost. Because what takes place, the word, this word is a day. It's an event. It's a celebration. And when you look at the word Pentecost, it means, are you ready? Are you ready? It means 50. 50. The word pent, like Pentagon, uh, has five angles, five sides. When you look at the word cost, costi, uh, the original word, it means to the 10th power. So Pentecost means 50. It was a celebration, and I want to talk to you about what that celebration was. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, you, we understand it and we associate it with the book of Acts because we, say, we see what is written. When the day of Pentecost came, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place, amen, they were all in one accord, and that is so important for me to highlight because there is nothing that the enemy will fight more in the church than for us to be against each other. The, the Bible tells us this, that behold how beautiful it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Because that is where the Lord sends his blessing. That the Bible lets us know that there is power in unity. If it wasn't of significance, it wouldn't be there. But I challenge us today to, to be able to rise past whatever, whatever uh, uh, issues we may have and, and to realize that we are one body that have been purchased with the same blood and that we all belong together. And there's a difference between uniformity, uh, which means we all think the same, we all look the same, we all believe the same. There's a difference between uniformity and unity. The Bible calls for us to be in unity. That means that, that we may have different perspectives. But at the end of the day, you are my brother. At the end of the day, you are my sister. And I'm praying for you. I'm believing God's very best and brightest over your life because that's what we're here for. We're here to lift each other up. We're here to encourage one another. We're here to build one another up. Unity is so important. So the Bible highlights this in the book of Acts chapter 2. And now there are three major holidays that I, that I want to cover briefly with you in the Jewish tradition, and then we see uh, that the Jewish holidays are fulfilled. And what that means, I want to explain that to you, because Jesus himself said this in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 17. He said, do not think that I have come to abolish. I have not come to do away with the law of the pro or the prophets. No, I have not come to abolish them. I have not come to do away with them, but I have come to fulfill them. So while we don't do all the practices, and while we don't do the practices, should I say, of the Old Testament, we do embrace the principles. We do embrace the principles, and I believe that Jesus' plan for our life and Jesus' plan for your life is found and is seen in these three holidays. The first is the Passover. Many of us, if you've been in church for a little while, you're familiar with the Passover. The Hebrew nation went to Egypt because of a famine. They got stuck there. They ended up spending 400 years there. They ended up being enslaved there. Pharaoh used them uh, to be able to build his empire. And, and then we see that Moses comes into the picture. And, and Moses goes into Egypt. And Pharaoh doesn't want to let them go. God sends plagues. The last one is the angel of death that would pass through all of Egypt and would take the firstborn of every household. But God provided a means of protection 
for the Hebrew families. Amen. God provided a means of protection. And he tells the Hebrew families this. He says, take the blood of a lamb and shed it on the doorpost. And when I see the blood that is there present, I will pass over that house, hence the name. Every year, this became a celebration. So what was initiated in that moment became a celebration, a yearly celebration. And it was a picture to remind the people, the Hebrew people, the people of God, that the sacrifice covered the sins. In other words, you're still a sinner, but the sacrifice covers you. So when we jump into the New Testament, well, I'm going to show you some parallels. When, when we jump into the New Testament, there was uh, the Passover day uh, happened to be the day that Jesus was crucified. This was the Passover. But what was different about this particular Passover that was unlike any other that had been experienced before is that Jesus, his sacrifice didn't cover our sins. His sacrifice removed our sins. Hallelujah for that. His sacrifice removed removed our sins. And we understand what Paul writes in the book of 1 Corinthians. He says, for Christ, amen, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Aren't you grateful for that this morning? That Christ paid it all. That he paid it all. That there is not anything that we can do to earn it. There is nothing that we can, we are not saved by works. It's not how much I read my Bible. I encourage you, read your Bible, but don't read your Bible thinking that that earns salvation. Salvation has been paid for by the sacrifice of Jesus. You can't do anything to earn it. You can't do anything. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says this, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Why? So, and it's not by works so that no one could boast, so that no one could brag, so no one could get a big head and say, it is because of what I do that I have been saved. No, we are saved totally by grace. Amen. We're totally saved by grace. So when we look at the Passover, that equates to us as salvation. Salvation. The second holiday was this, was Pentecost. So 50 days after the Passover, celebrating the law that was given on Mount Sinai when Moses is, is up and the tablets of the Ten Commandments are provided to Moses on that day. God gave the law to Moses on that, in that moment. And what we see are there's some important characteristics and there's some important things that take place. Number one, a cloud descended with loud noise and with fire. God wrote his law on tablets of stone. But remember at that time the people rejected God. They had a golden calf that they worshipped. And because of that, 3,000 people died that day. And they would commemorate that day every single year. And that's why when you get to the book of Acts, chapter 2, and it says when the day of Pentecost was fully come. So the day of Pentecost was something that had already been taking place. But in this particular instance, in Acts chapter 2, something supernatural takes place. The Holy Spirit, the Bible, descended and, and it appeared to them on, on the, in that moment. I'm so grateful that, that Jesus did not leave us alone, but before he ascended, he said, I, I'm going up, but I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm gonna, uh, you will not be orphans. And the Bible lets us know that the Holy Spirit on that day descended with a loud sound and with fire. 
we, we understand that on that day God wrote the law, not on tablets of stone, but he wrote it on our hearts. Now we have God in us. We get God on the inside. And if you remember how many people died in the Old Testament, 3,000. On this day in the book of Acts, 3,000 people get saved. Hallelujah. It shows a beautiful picture of what took place in the Old Testament and how it occurred. But now we see it coming to fulfillment with Jesus in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, it says this, that after his suffering, he presented himself to them and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. So this is after Jesus has risen from the dead. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. And I know you're saying, I thought you said it was 50. I'm going to show you here just in just a little bit. It was a period over 40 days. He spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this commandment. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. But wait for the gift my father promised. And that is where we see the ten more days that occur, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. So it lets us know that, yes, we are going to be recipients of power, but then it lets us know what that power is for, to be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You're going to receive power because I have a job for you. You're going to, you're going to receive power because there's an assignment that I need you to carry on in this earth, and it's to be my witnesses. And he says, in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria. That would be like, I need you to be my witnesses in Odessa, in Texas, in America, and all the world. So what is Pentecost? So what is Pentecost? Uh, we understand that Pentecost is the power to make a difference. I believe that God has called you, that God has called us to make a difference. And he says, uh, the job that I have for you, the assignment that I have for you, the task that is before you is too big for you to carry out in your own strength. But it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's what Zachariah said, but it's by my spirit says the Lord. I'm grateful for his spirit. Amen. That enables us, that empowers us, that it's not about us and it's not what I can do, but it is God in us. Amen. So Pentecost is the power to make a difference. And the third holiday was tabernacles. And this one may not be so familiar to you um, because the first two we, we understand are in the springtime. Uh, when we see the Passover, when we see Pentecost, it happens in the springtime. But tabernacles happened in the fall. This was celebrated around right before the harvest time. And, and it was to commemorate the, the wandering to commemorate just what took place in the wilderness, uh, that they went around in circles. Uh, they went around in circles in, in this desert that we know today that is modern-day Saudi Arabia, that, that they would commemorate, that they would stop, and that they would remember, hey, you remember that time when our ancestors were there, that you were not in your permanent home. 
Hallelujah. You were not in your permanent home, but that they were wandering in temporary homes, in temporary huts. And and they were just wandering and living in this condition until they were brought into their final home, which was Canaan, the land of promise, the promised land. And it was celebrated every year. It was celebrated during the harvest season. So you ask yourself, I I understand Passover, I understand Pentecost, but what is tabernacles? How, How is this? being fulfilled. I'm glad you asked. Well, we are here. We are living on this temporary earth. Amen. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. But there comes a day that we will be brought into our final home in heaven. But before that happens, we are believing that there will be a great harvest where many will come to know Jesus. Amen. And there will be a day, hallelujah, that Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together, hallelujah, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. And so shall we be with the Lord forever. So the tabernacles is the day that we are waiting for as believers that we will get to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. Um, That while we live a few years here on earth, that we get to spend eternity with him. So tabernacles is the second coming of Christ that we would commemorate and that we would say this world is not our home. We're just, we're just passing through this place. We were, we were designed for something greater. So the three major holidays, Passover, Pentecost, tabernacles, that they highlight major things in our lives as believers. The first is Passover. It all begins with the cross. It all happens because of the cross. Nothing would be possible without it. It all begins with it. But then once you're saved, there's a Pentecost experience where where the Holy Spirit, where we receive the Holy Spirit because he has an assignment for us here on earth. Because he wants us to be his witnesses. And that assignment is too big for you on your own. There is power to do the work that Jesus has outlined for us. And all of that so that we could ultimately experience his second coming, which is the tabernacles. But what is the meaning of Pentecost as we celebrate that today? Because even in the Bible there were questions. In the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 12 it says this, that they were amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? What is this all about? It was foreign to them. It was new to them. What does this mean? So there's three things that I want to highlight to you in regards to what Pentecost means for us today. The first thing is this. The Holy Spirit empowers me to live righteously. The Holy Spirit empowers me to live righteously. The Holy Spirit does a work on the inside of me. The Holy Spirit works, does a work on the inside of me. It changes me, changes us. It transforms us. It transforms us. Romans uh, says it this way when Paul writes, he says, You, however, are controlled not by sinful nature, but by the Spirit. 
but by the Spirit. So his Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. So we're not controlled. It lets us know when by sinful nature, when the Spirit of God is living on the inside of us. When we're filled with the Spirit, a work is done on the inside. We begin to serve God, not because we have to, but because we want to. It becomes a matter of, I have the privilege of doing this. I have the privilege of coming to church. I have the privilege of serving God's people. I have the privilege. We begin to serve God not out of obligation, but out of delight. And the Holy Spirit will help us to to arrive to that point, uh, to, to be able to get to a point where we are growing in our faith, growing in God, growing in our, in, in our spiritual disciplines, that, that as we progress in sanctification, that we are able to experience the fullness of God as he has designed for us. The, the Holy Spirit will help you. It will help us when we are at a crossroads. What should I do here? Where should I go now? What will help me in this decision? The prophet Isaiah prophesied about this and, and God allowed him to see it years before and he said this in Isaiah 30 whether you turn to the right or to the left your ears will hear a voice behind you saying this is the way walk in it, it we have all heard testimonies uh, and maybe some of us have even been recipients of that where we have said you know what I'm not going to do that today because the holy we have allowed ourselves because we have allowed ourselves to die to the fleshly desires and we have allowed the spirit the holy spirit to take to take authority in our lives to be able to guide us and to be able to direct us and to be able to say, Lord, what should I do today? What should I do here in this moment? To be able to know that he can speak to us and guide us and direct us. He empowers us to live righteously. He empowers to live righteously. The second thing is this. The Holy Spirit empowers me to live supernaturally. Help yourself if you want to live your life naturally. But we need the Holy Spirit to see the supernatural things that God wants to do in our lives. What does that mean? That means that God wants to do a work in us, in the lives of those around us. That God wants to not only do a work in us, but wants to do a work through us. He said this, he told his disciples, he said, the works that I do, he said, you will do greater works. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says this, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed. Are are we going around doing good? Is a question that we could reflect on this. Uh, Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed uh, by the enemy. For God was with him. We need the spirit of God in our lives. We need the spirit of God in our lives to see what God wants to do truly, fully in our lives. uh, That we would be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus uh, here on this earth. Uh, And that is what his spirit is here for. It It is to empower us to be his witnesses. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says this, my message and my preaching were not wise with persuasive words, but with demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may, my, uh, might not rest on men's wisdom. 
wisdom, but on God's power. Can I tell you that, that it is important for us to do things as people, as a body of believers with excellence, uh, that God deserves our very best. But can I tell you that we need his presence to change hearts and to change lives and to transform and to restore, that there is works, that there are things in our lives that, that my nice words cannot do, but God's presence and God's spirit can do a work, amen, that, that lives still can be changed. That, that marriages can still be healed, that, that marriages can still be restored, that people can be healed, that, that we can see God's power at work in our lives, that, that God can change your children that are rebellious, that God can change your husband and your wife that is rebellious, to know that God, there is no place that he will not go, and to know that, that, it is, that we can't do it alone, that God, we have to say, God, let you do the work, you do the work. Do the work in my coworker. Do the work in my cousin. Do the work in my family. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live supernaturally. And the last thing is that the Holy Spirit empowers me to live on mission. It empowers me to live on mission. God has called us to fulfill his mission. We are called by God to be the salt of the earth. And we are called by God to be the light of the world. I quote First Peter a lot where it says, you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a peculiar people. You have been called out of darkness into God's marvelous light. But why? And then it says to proclaim the news of, of him who called you. To proclaim the news of him who called you out of darkness and brought you in his marvelous light. And it doesn't have to be anything uh, that, that's so formal. It's just about being there and saying, when you see somebody in need, saying, hey, Jesus loves you. And to, to put your arm around them. Worship team, will you join me? To put your arm around them and just say, can I pray with you right now in this moment? Yeah, I know we're at the grocery store. But you know what? God knows no limits. Uh, he doesn't operate solely in four walls. Uh, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God is here for me, to, for me to be able to say, you know what? Yeah, I'm going through. You're going through a hard time. But when they say, can you pray for me? Because they notice something different about you. And that we could stop and reflect and know that it's not me, but it's God in me that, that allows people to see something different, that to him be the glory and to him be the honor. I don't need any credit, I, but I need God's presence in my life to make a difference. I told the, the huddle team on one occasion, I said, I want people to come to this church and, and them to walk out saying, uh, what, was, what was the pastor's name? I, I didn't even catch his name, but all I know is that God was there and I felt his presence and I felt his power and I felt something different. What matters is not me. What matters is God. He is the one that can do the work. So we have a mission that we would cultivate that, that environment, that we would cultivate that culture, that it is God who does the work through us. Yes, he does. He uses us. He uses us imperfect, absolutely, but God paid the price, and we are in a process of becoming holy. It is a process. We're called by him. We need his power. First Thessalonians chapter 1. Our gospel came to you not simply with words, 
but also with power, with the Holy Spirit. And notice what takes place with deep conviction. Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. I'm going to tell you, Impact City Church is not going to be known just for incredible, incredible activities, incredible marketing, incredible coffee, and, out, and outstanding donuts. No, we're going to be known because we're people that are seeking after God. That God would... The Bible tells us this, that Jesus said, he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men unto me. All I have to do is lift him up with my life. I have to lift him up in everything that I do, with my choices, with, with my habits. Are my, is that lining up with what God wants to do in my life? Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but it was also with power that God would do a great work. The mission of the church is that, is to communicate the love of God to a lost and a dying world. At Pentecost, the day we celebrate today, the Spirit was given with the purpose of empowering the church to fulfill the mission. The early church was filled in order to pour out. Amen. They were filled to be able to pour out. They were filled with power to proclaim the gospel. The church was created by God. It was initiated by God. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It doesn't matter what comes against us as a church. It doesn't matter what culture says. It doesn't matter what society says. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus. God started the church. God created the church. God brought the church into being, and it is his church. And isn't it so awesome to understand and to be able to wrap our hearts and our minds around the fact that he loves us and he trusts us so much to say, you're going to be my ambassador. You're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus here, that he trusts us. The church is that plan. We have a mission, and we need his power. We have a mission, and we need his power. Being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. But it does make me better than me. I can only do so much. I need God. I need His Spirit. In your heart, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, Lord, we need you in this moment and we need you more than ever before. Holy Spirit, some of us need you to forgive us for having preconceived thoughts and fears about you. We receive you today. We fully receive you in our lives. Immerse us. Baptize us. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't leave us as orphans, but that you've sent a comforter. You've sent a comforter that... You said, I will 
be with you. Thank you for sending the promise of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for empowering us and thank you for calling us, for changing us, for restoring us. Let your spirit, God, overpower. Maybe there's somebody in this place that is overpowered by a sinful habit, by that sinful nature. God, that your spirit would right now break that bondage. That your spirit right now would break those chains, God, that have held us captive. God, right now, that your spirit would do a work. That your spirit would heal. That your spirit would restore. God, right now, I thank you that your spirit would provide direction. God, we need you in this moment. We need you in this hour. We need you to be able to accomplish the purpose that you have called us to fulfill. We need you right now. We, put, we place ourselves at your availability. We make ourselves available to you, God. We need you. Holy Spirit, we need you in this place. With every head bowed, every eye closed, some of you today in this place, need to take that first step, that Passover moment in your life where he shows himself as a savior to you. You're carrying shame. You're carrying guilt. And Jesus says, give it to me. I'll, I'll carry it. Jesus says, give it to me. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to live beat down. You don't have to live battered. You don't have to live in frustration. You don't have to live annoyed. You don't have to live that way. You have been trying to do things on your own. Today is the day where Jesus demonstrates himself or shows himself to you as the Passover lamb, the, the one who removes your sins once and forever. Maybe you're carrying shame and guilt from your past and, and from decisions that you have made and habits that you have been involved in and substances and, and websites that you have visited. Maybe all of that right now is just too much for you. You can release it to God right now and let him change you from the inside out. And if that is you today, if that is you today, you say, Jesus, I want, I make that decision. I'm tired of living the way I've lived. I'm tired of trying to do things on my own. I'm, I'm tired of, of trying to navigate through life without you. And I surrender my life to you. If that is you, I, I just want you to raise your hand right where you're at as a sign of surrender. Every head bowed, every eye is closed. It's just you right now. God sees you. God sees you. Would everyone, with, would everyone pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me when I was unlovable. Carry my shame. Carry my guilt. I surrender it to you. Let me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we clap our hands to Jesus for everyone that received him today? I'm going to invite you to stand. Before you leave this seat this morning, I want to, our prayer partners, I want to invite them to come. And we, as we enter a moment of worship, as we worship him, as we glorify him, as we praise him, that if you're praying for something, if you're going through something, maybe a challenge has come up, maybe there's a diagnosis that you're unsure of. 
Whatever the case may be, we believe in a God that can do the impossible. We believe in a God that, can, that still works miracles. We believe in a God that can do, that can restore and, and that, that can enter into any circumstance. And I want to invite you and I want to challenge you to believe that today. I want, so let's pray as, as we enter this moment. Father, once again, once again for everyone that is in this place today. For everyone that is here today in need of divine intervention. For everyone that is here today that needs a touch from heaven. For everyone that is here today, maybe their strength spiritually is dwindling and they say, God, I just, I need you. I need you. I need my cup to overflow. I need you right now in my mind. I need you in my heart. I need you in my body. I need you in my marriage. I need you in my family. I need you in my parenting. I need you at work. I need you in my business. I need you in my finances. I need you. Whatever your circumstance and situation may be right now, that we would boldly come to the throne of grace knowing that we can find mercy in the time of need. Right now, God, I thank you. I thank you that you are a God that can do it all. Right now, we stand in the gap. Right now, we stand in the gap and agree. We come into agreement in prayer. We come into agreement. Let faith rise and be, and, and be built in this place today. Let us know that it is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by your spirit. Do a work that only you can do. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Let's live.